Peace be with you, church. Merry Christmas to you all. I invite you to open up your Bibles to, we're going to be going through two passages. The first one is found in Luke chapter 2, and the second one is in Philippians. We'll, we'll, we'll begin with the Luke passage. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. In Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that we get to celebrate the coming of Christ and all that it means for us today, Father. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would bless us as we come to your word. May your spirit be at work in us, opening up scripture so that we may see the glory of Jesus for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Uh, just a reminder, we do not have the keiki open today. There, the nursery is open. Uh, it's a self-serve nursery today, so parents, if your kids get uh, more fussy than you're comfortable with, you're welcome to take them there. We also have uh, chairs set up outside. Um, so for most of us, gifts and presents are a very important part of Christmas. We... Uh, we prepare for a long time. Uh, months before Christmas, we start buying gifts. We start making notes of the people that we want to bless. Um, there's a lot of joy in giving and in receiving gifts. The gifts that we give to each other can bring joy, at least for a little bit. Um, kids, your parents probably got you gifts this year that you're not going to be too excited about, probably some socks, underwear, some slippers. Uh, our, our parents definitely took advantage of Christmas to give us everything we need for the year to come. Um, thinking of gifts, I remember when I was old enough to go and buy presents for my gifts, my mom got the worst gifts because when we bought our mom a gift, the gift was actually for us. One of those was a, a smoothie blender that we bought when I was like 11. And within three days, we 
broke it, and mom never even used it. Um, moms, moms get gifts that are actually for everyone else. Um, today, though, we remember the greatest gift ever given. A gift given to us by God himself. And what does he give us? He gives us himself. He gives us himself in the person of Jesus Christ. God, man, born of a virgin, came into this world as a babe. And how is this the greatest gift? As Jason has read in our call to worship out of the Gospel of Matthew, when the angel appeared to Joseph, he told him to name him Jesus because he would be the one to save his people from their sin. This child will grow up, and through his life, death, and resurrection, he will solve our greatest problem, our greatest need. He will redeem us from sin. He will redeem us from death and from the snare of the kingdom of darkness, and he will restore us back to God, forgiving us all of our sin. God, God does this first and foremost, for his honor and for the glory of his name. Yet as God gives us his son, in Jesus he also gives us an entire treasure full, treasure chest full of gifts. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He gives us eternal life. He gives us an eternal inheritance that does not corrupt or perish. He also gifts us gifts that we, his children, can use and be blessed by every single day. He gives us the gifts, the gift of prayer, where we, can, we have access to God at any time. One of these gifts that we will look at this morning is the gift of peace. We hear about peace a lot around Christmas. I just want to explore with you what is peace. While we give gifts that may bring temporary joy, um, a lot of fun and cheer during Christmas, the gifts that God gives bring us lasting happiness and joy. Gifts that solve our greatest problems. In our text today, we see as the angels appear to the shepherds to declare to them the news of what just happened. Christ is born. And so the, the angelic host appears before these lowly shepherds and they declare, they worship God. They, they cannot contain it within them. They say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Here's what's significant about the outburst of worship from these angels. There's this theological term uh, that we have developed throughout the history of Christianity uh, to describe God or to attempt to describe God. It's called transcendence and imminence of God. Transcendent the fact that God is transcendent means that he is highly exalted. He is the highest, most 
holy, he is most awesome, most glorious, he is unlike anything in creation. Nothing even comes close to his majesty, his glory, his authority, his sovereignty. But at the same time, God is imminent, meaning he is personal. He is present. As he rules in glory on high, he is not distant or far off from his creation. He is near. He is intimately involved in the affairs of man. As he rules on high, he also holds and sustains every molecule in this creation. Nothing goes on in the universe without his knowledge or decree. And that is what the angels celebrate. They celebrate and rejoice in the transcendence and imminence of God. Glory to God in the highest. And this God brings peace to earth. He is near to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And the way that God's nearness, his closeness, the way God's presence among us is known and experienced is through peace that he brings to those with whom he is pleased. His closeness is known through peace. In Isaiah 9, the passage that we read together for the call to worship, Isaiah says that the one who is named Christ who is coming, he is also called the Prince of Peace. Peace is one of his defining characteristics and qualities. He possesses peace. He wields peace. He brings and he gives peace. No one, he he is the source of peace. Nowhere else is peace found. Christ is the Prince of Peace. And Christ gives this peace to us, his church. Christ gives it to his redeemed people. It is ours to have and to enjoy. This peace is ours. Excuse me. And scriptures talks a lot about peace. Every epistle... Every letter begins and or ends with a greeting of peace. God's people are expected to possess and be a people who are ruled by peace. And so here's the question. If peace has been given to us as a gift of God, If scripture expects us as Christians to be ruled by peace, to walk in peace, why do we have so little of it? Why do we struggle to be at peace? Where is the breakdown? Maybe instead of peace, you are filled with trouble. Maybe fear and anxiety rules your life. And I think one of the reasons why it's important for us to be reminded 
of this gift of peace that is ours in Christ is because we live in particularly tumultuous times. It's especially hard to be ruled by peace today, don't you agree? We did not have a very peaceful decade. Right now, the entire world is full of war and uncertainty. The last few years have been particularly hard for all of us. This next year also is not promising to be peaceful. It's almost guaranteed not to be quiet, especially with the elections that are coming ahead. And the path that our country and much of the world has chosen is not the path of peace. We are in rebellion against God. And unless God grants us repentance, judgment is sure to come. And these are anxiety-inducing realities. Not knowing what tomorrow will bring is hard. Seeing the writing on the wall and not knowing how the next year and decade will look, it is hard. And we don't have to go far to be troubled. Maybe you are anxious about your children. Maybe you're troubled because of your marriage. Maybe there is relational tension in your life. Maybe you are troubled about your finances or work or your health. Maybe sin or past sin is not giving you peace. We have many reasons to be anxious. We have many excuses that we can, every single one of us can write down and say, this is why I am troubled. This is why I am afraid. And the question is, in all of these circumstances, can we really have peace? Can this gift of God to us through Christ be a reality in our life today? First, I wanted to define the word peace. It comes from the Hebrew word shalom. Um, If you go to Israel, that's how they greet you, shalom, like we say aloha here. Um, From the Greek, uh, irene, it means wholeness. It means well-being. It's a tranquility. It's an inner sense of security and safety. This peace is the absence of conflict, absence of strife. Hearing this definition, we can all say with confidence, please give me this peace. We want this peace and we want truckloads of it. The Bible talks about peace in three primary ways. First, peace between us and God. Secondly, peace in us, in our inner being, as we face the hardships and uncertainties in life. And third, the Bible talks about peace that is supposed to be between us as the people of God. And I want to look at a few of them in more detail. The first and the most important peace that we can have is peace between us 
and God. It's this vertical peace. God makes peace between us and him. We were once enemies of God, and through Jesus we now have peace with him. His just wrath is no longer towards us because of our sin, but we are reconciled to him. God loves us. As children of God, we have eternal peace with God. If you're a child of God, if you are born again, you have eternal peace with God. Nothing can get in between that. This means that our biggest, most existential problem has been taken care of. Our eternal life is secure. Our future is glorious. It is guaranteed. We have peace with God. This peace is given to us and it is ours when we are born again and when we become children of God through faith in Christ. Some scriptural references, Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Further down the same chapter, verse 10, uh, Paul says, For if while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled or brought to peace with God by the death of his Son, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? The scripture assures us that as, as believers, as children of God, we have peace With God, and this peace is eternal. And when and when Scripture talks about this type of peace, it is clear that the peace between us and God is totally and completely a gift of God to us. None of us can boast in it. None of us can say, Yeah, I sat at the table with God and I negotiated the terms of this peace agreement. We cannot do that. It is God's gift to us. We had no part in him. It's all him. It's unmerited. It's undeserved peace. He has given us this peace as we just read while we were still enemies of God. The holy and righteous God made peace with sinners through his son. And friend, if you do not know this peace Turn to Christ. He gives it freely and he gives it completely. Stop waging war against God. Believe in Jesus. Repent of your sin and he will grant you this peace. There is no greater gift. There is no greater reality than to be at peace with the God of this universe. There's just no greater peace. The second way that scriptures talks about peace is in relation to our everyday life. If the first piece is vertical, it is between us and God. This second way, the second application of peace is horizontal. Okay, it's, be- it's, it's the peace that is found within us as we walk through the trials of life, and it's the peace that we are to have with one another. And here's the difference. While we played no part in our peace with God, the vertical peace, while we had no part in it, it is a gift of God to us. In the second application of peace, we are called to apply ourselves. 
We are called to put every effort to have this peace in us and to have peace with others. Here's some scriptural references. 2 Peter 3.14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, listen to this word, be diligent to be found in him at peace. There's a diligence. Hebrews 12.14 says, strive for peace. 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul tells Timothy, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Pursue peace. 1 Thessalonians 5.13, be at peace among yourselves. Colossians 3.15, which probably drives this point harder than any other text, says, and let the peace of Christ Rule in your hearts. Rule means it sits on the throne of your heart. It is supreme. There is nothing higher than peace. The peace of Christ is the king and the queen that rules everything in you. That's the image that Paul uh, uh, shows us here. And so we see that we have this eternal, unmerited gift of peace that is given to us by God that we just receive and we glory, glorify God for it. We praise him for it. Whether you are aware of it or not, whether you're aware of the magnitude of this peace that God has given you or not, it is there if you're a child of God. But this eternal peace with God, we see, does not automatically transfer into the peace in our heart as we face hardship and peace with others. It's not just automatically there, that we just, we just have it and we don't have to work for it. But we have to be reminded as we walk through life with the peace of Christ ruling your hearts, we have to be reminded, strive for peace. There is a needed effort on our part for the peace that we have with God to then become real in our life. And listen, this is very important. The source of this peace, this horizontal peace, this inner peace and peace with one another, the source of it is Christ himself. It flows. It should overflow from the peace that we already have with God. Think of it as a well. Think of it <clears throat> as a water spigot. The water's right there. God has given you a treasure chest full of peace. It's right there. It's on tap. All you have to do is come and fill your cup and drink it. It's there for you, church. Antithetical to peace is anxiety. Antithetical to peace is fear. It's, being, it's fretting. It's being troubled. It's an unsettled and worrying heart. 
And isn't it true that we don't have to work hard to be anxious or troubled? It's kind of our default mode, at least for many of us, to be fretful, to be fearful, to be troubled, to be anxious. It comes naturally for many of us. We don't have to seek it out. It just comes into our life. It is easy for anxiety to rule our hearts. It is easy for anxiety to come and to throw off peace and and, and say, I will rule your heart today. And so as as God, through his word, calls us to have peace of Christ rule our hearts, as he calls us to strive for peace, It is because anxiety, fear, and troubled heart is so easy for us to fall into. And as God calls us to have peace rule our hearts, on the opposite end, there is also a command to fight against the things that disrupt our peace. In John 14, Jesus tells his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Matthew 6, it's the most famous passage on anxiety. Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. 1 Peter 3.14, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of Fear. We, we saw this even in Luke chapter 2. They were filled with great fear, and the first thing that the angels tell them is, fear not. Over and over we are told, do not fear. Do not be anxious. Do not be troubled. Over and over, Scripture tells us that. Some of us, we have a Never-ending list of fears. We keep them around like pets. You deal with one, the next one takes its place. There's just no end to the troubles. Maybe you have figured out a way to manage your anxieties and keeping them under control. God's desire for us is not to just manage and have control of our anxiety. God's desire for us is so that peace would establish itself and rule in our hearts. What we have to realize is that the call to not be afraid, the call to not be anxious, the call to have peace of Christ rule in our hearts is not a suggestion. These are commands that we are to obey as Christians. We are to put every effort to battle against fear and anxiety. Therefore, to give in and not fight against anxiety and fear is to sin against the God who graciously gives us peace. And anxiousness, sadly, and fear and a troubled heart have become a very acceptable sin within the church. So you may say, Pastor, I get it. Peace is good. Fear and anxiety is not. Peace should be supreme in my heart and my life. I believe that God has made peace with me and that 
This peace is given to me as a gift from God. It's available to me, but how do I flip the switch? How do I stop being anxious and troubled and fearful? And how do I have this peace rule in my heart? How can I have a cup of peace? As we have seen, and as we will see right now through our last passage, Philippians 4, the first step is to acknowledge that anxiety and fretfulness is not just a nuance, but it is a thing that God commands us to stop doing. It is a sin. We are commanded to stop being anxious. We are to take that seriously. It's not just a nuisance. It's not just something that, you know, we have an option to keep around or get rid of. Anxiety and fear can be a serious sin in our lives. Step two, we are called to believe that this peace is a gift of God that has already given to you. Through Christ, it is yours to have and to possess. It's already on your account, whether you are aware of it or not. And finally, as we come to Philippians 4, we are given clear instructions, a practical step-by-step guide on how can we live and walk in peace every single day of our lives. Philippians 4, 6, we read, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we see both of these realities here in our text. Paul begins with this command, do not be anxious about anything. And by the, by the time he finishes this paragraph, we see that the peace of God is ruling and guarding the hearts and minds. And in between, we see the very tools that we have to stop being anxious and to have the peace of Christ rule and guard our hearts and minds. And here we see the two things that are given to us are thanksgiving and prayer. Pretty easy. The, peace, the secret to having peace is to go talk to the one who can actually do something about our troubles. Who would have thought? <laughs> we have a gracious, kind, loving Father who, give, who gives every good and perfect gift. We have a Father who is sovereign and who can actually do something about our troubles. We have a Father who knows the end from the beginning. We have a Father who knows what tomorrow will bring, what next year will bring, what the rest of our life will look like. He knows, and he says, come and talk to me. 
Look at how Paul closes shut the door to, the, to anxiety and how he opens wide the door as access to God. He says, do not be anxious about anything. There's no wiggle room. We can make all sorts of excuses. Yeah, I, could, I, I shouldn't be anxious about this, but I'm allowed to be anxious about something else. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. The door is shut. There's no wiggle room. On the other hand, he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He opens the door to God wide open. Everything, church. It means there is no small thing, there, and there is no thing that is too big that we cannot bring before God. The smallest and stupidest thing we can bring to God. He will not mock you. And the greatest, most impossible problems, we can also bring them before God. Everything, bring everything by prayer and supplication. And so we see we do two things when we come before God. We pray and ask, and the second is we thank Thanksgiving, this is a very, very important detail. It is extremely important. It should be overflowing out of our lives constantly, every single day, every single hour. Thanksgiving is when we reflect on the past goodness and faithfulness of God. You reflect on his on all the ways, you think about all the ways when you were in trouble and God came through. You were troubled. You were afraid. You were anxious. And then you look back and you say, that was for no reason. God came through. He did a work. He paved a way. He provided. He has helped. And so we are to remember those things and we are to worship and be filled with thanksgiving to God for his faithfulness and for his goodness. Thanksgiving is an incredibly important part of having peace in our hearts. And as Thanksgiving looks back and reflects on God's goodness and faithfulness in the past, prayer and supplication looks forward. We realize we have no control of the future. We have no knowledge of what is to come. But God does. And we can be sure that if he has been faithful in the past, he will surely be faithful in the future. And instead of fretting and being afraid, we bring everything that bothers us to God, knowing that he cares about everything. And we move forward. We continue life knowing that we have given everything to the Lord and that he will, he promises that he will direct our paths. It doesn't mean that life will be trouble-free, but it means that in the midst of trouble and suffering, as James 1 says, God will be there. We are able to be joyful in the midst of the hardest and harshest times, not fret and not be anxious. Church, realize who you are praying to. Realize in whose hands your life is. 
Our Father knows the future. He is sovereign over everything that will come tomorrow. He knows your every need, and he delights when his children come to him and bring him the smallest or the greatest problem that they have. As you reflect on his past goodness, and as you trust God with your future, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a promise. So great is this peace that God gives to us. It just makes no sense. It surpasses understanding. We may wonder how, looking at a person who is suffering, who is going through so much turmoil and trouble, and he is peaceful and joyful, we may wonder how it surpasses our understanding, but that is the peace that God gives to us. Church, if you do not reflect and worship God for his, for his past faithfulness, and if you do not trust him with your future, you will be filled with fear and anxiety. Remember his goodness and trust him. Bring everything to him and he promises to give you peace. In this time of turmoil, one of the greatest ways we can witness to the world around us, the church can be such a powerful witness in the midst of chaos and turmoil by having peace being a people of joy in the midst of chaos. It's one of the greatest witnesses about Christ's work in us. So church, this Christmas, may God through his word remind you of the treasures that are given to you through the coming of Christ. The peace that the angels proclaim to the shepherds is yours in Jesus. God has already made peace with you. Realize that and may his peace flow out to everyone around you and may it flow into your own heart. May the peace of Christ dwell in you richly and guide your hearts in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus that you did not leave us hopeless in our sin, in darkness, but that he came into this world to redeem us from our sin. Lord, but we thank you that, Lord, that not only did you solve our existential, eternal problem, not only do we have hope in you in the life to come, but we have hope and peace in the life that we now live, Lord. We thank you that you give us peace today. We thank you that in the midst of trouble, in the midst of, uh, Lord, whatever comes our way, whatever we are struggling today, Father, we may have peace in you that surpasses all understanding, Lord. And this is a gift that you have given to us through Christ. So, Father, I pray that as your church, we would not neglect this gift, that we would rejoice in the goodness of your grace through Jesus Christ, Lord, and that we would be a people full of hope, full of joy, full of peace as we live our days that you have given us here on earth. In Christ's name we pray, amen.